Welcome to CIBC Mellon Industry Perspectives, a podcast series that brings you developments in the Canadian securities industry and potential impacts facing CIBC Mellon clients and institutional investors active in the Canadian market. Thank you for joining us today. I'm Joe Lacopo, Vice President, Relationship Management and Co-Head of the Asset Manager segment here at CIBC Mellon. On today's episode, I'm joined by Robert Stell, Vice President, Financial Services at Enveronics Research, and Amanda Coons, Vice President, Investor and Plan Member Services here at CIBC Mellon. At Enveronics, which maintains Canada's largest online advisor research panel, Robert works with leading financial companies to better understand and build valuable insights for their brands. Here at CIBC Mellon, Amanda directs industry-leading operational and contact center teams that support our clients and their underlying stakeholders. In particular, investment fund manufacturers, investors, advisors, and dealers. She also oversees the teams that provide benefit payment and member services for pension plan sponsors and their plan members. I'll be chatting with Robert and Amanda about Enveronics annual study of the behaviors, preferences, and expectations of more than 2000 independent Canadian investment advisors. Robert, Thanks for joining us. Could you tell us a little more about the Enveronics survey, its audience, and the value it offers? Thanks for having me, Joe. It's interesting and uh, fun to be here. The study itself it, is really unique, not just among financial advisors, um, but really as, as a business-to-business study in general. It focuses primarily on the relationships that advisors have with leading fund companies, uh, and particularly the companies that they, they are receiving contact with uh, and supporting in their practices. We really want to understand what companies advisors are supporting, what companies can do to attract advisors, and and how companies can build better relationships. So there there are really a couple of things that are are worth highlighting about the study. Um, First off, as as you mentioned, the study is really large, so it includes more than 2,000 independent advisors every year. And for a B2B study, especially among such a limited population as this, uh, that, that's an impressively large sample size and gives us the opportunity to, to draw a lot of inferences from the, uh, the, the results. The study has also been running continuously for more than 27 years, which is certainly unique uh, and says good things about how important the data is to, to those who are working with it, particularly the, uh, uh, the fund manufacturers, fund companies in the industry. Uh, but it also says good things about how engaged the participating advisors are. In addition, uh, the sample is extremely high quality, uh, and this is really important for this kind of business-to-business work as well. So to be invited, advisors have to have a relationship with multiple leading fund companies. Uh, And this means that the advisors that participate are the ones that are really driving the industry in terms of sales and relationships. It also means that, that we're focused specifically on advisors that are in competitive play, right? The ones that are receiving key sales contact and that companies are actively trying to attract to their products. So because of all of these things, uh, the the long history, the relationships, uh, and the the strength of advisor participation, the study really offers some some rich data on advisor practices, including which brands they're using, how much sales they allocate to each, and more importantly, how they rate each of the major brands in the industry. And we have them rate these brands on 40 individual attributes. 
And the combination of sales data and rating gives us some really unique insights, not only into who advisors support, but also what attributes are driving sales. And as a result, what brands should really focus on to get and keep advisor attention and loyalty in, in the current environment and given the, the pressures that advisors face right now. Speaking of the current environment and pressures, what are advisors currently facing in their practices? Really, I would say it comes down to three key pressures that, that advisors frequently raise in their, their conversations, discussions with us. These are typically not surprising, but, but it, it is really interesting to see how much impact they're having right now and, and to understand how advisors speak about these things. I'd say that the first issue is really time, right? Advisors need to spend time with clients in their practices, and this is more important than ever right now. They, they need to be working with their clients and again in the current environment, uh, frequently reassuring them in the face of volatility and uncertainty, but also helping them to optimize their approach as well. And as COVID challenges ease, advisors are also telling us that they, they need to focus on resuming prospecting efforts and growing their practices, uh, some activities that, that were often very disrupted. And all of this just takes time. So advisors are very careful about how they spend their time and want to focus on the things that get them the strongest return right now. And, and they're looking for the brands that they support to, uh, to, to support these efforts. We also hear a lot about regulatory issues. Uh, these are obviously important and having a significant impact on advisors' practices. And this includes a, a range of compliance and regulatory issues, such as obviously uh, know your product rules, but also uh, evolving dealer relationships and changes and the impact that these things are having on advisors and uh, right down to the level of, of the meetings and the way that they talk about products and, and the investments in general when interacting with clients. And, and I think really importantly here, these changes and, and the time required uh, to navigate them in their practices are frequently really frustrating for advisors and are causing them to change behaviors. The final thing I'd, I'd point out is, is really related to clients. Uh, I'll talk about this a little bit more in a minute, but advisors over the last decade or so uh, have had a lot of success in focusing their practices increasingly on high net worth Canadians. While this is really a good news story, uh, these wealthier clients are often more demanding and frequently have much more complex needs, right? And all of this is kind of leading back to the, the things that I was talking about previously in terms of uh, time and some of the frustrations associated with regulatory issues. And the bottom line is, is they're, they're causing advisors to make changes to how they navigate uh, the, the, the external environment in general and, and particularly how they run their practices. So how are the behaviors and expectations of advisors changing in the face of these challenges? So these external issues are, are having significant impact on how advisors are, are managing their practices and working with clients on a day-to-day -day basis. A couple of things that, that should really be well understood are really about overall how advisors, I would say first and foremost, how they're streamlining their practices to save time and optimize results. So this includes efforts focused on, again, that smaller number of wealthier clients. Advisors understand that this is where they're going to get the best return on their time investment and on their efforts in their practices. So increasingly, they're working to uh, ensure that their top clients are receiving a very strong level of support and that their time is well used in terms of, of focusing on these clients as much as possible. In addition, advisors are, are streamlining their practices even further by ideally reducing the number of fund manufacturers they're supporting. 
And and this is making everything more competitive in the industry, right? I frequently hear from brands that, that are saying it, it is more difficult to get advisors' attention, keep their attention, build loyalty, and to drive sales as well. And if it feels like it's getting more uh, competitive, it, it's because it really is. As advisors focus on that smaller number of, of brands, they're also increasing their expectations for service levels and companies are responding, right? They're, they're providing better levels of support, which is driving expectations up even higher. In particular advisors, you know, I, I think one of the areas that, that's probably very relevant to this conversation is that advisors really expect back offices in particular to be extremely responsive and to get it right. All of this means that that manufacturers again really face increasing expectations and increasing competition. It's it, it is harder and uh, more challenging to get and keep advisors' uh, attention and loyalty. You need better marketing, better teams, better relationships at all levels across your organization. Switching gears now, I'd like to dive into some of the common themes that have emerged from your studies. What have you observed related to advisors' values? and how are needs changing when it comes to the development of advisor relationships? Yeah, it's interesting, especially to look back over, over such a long history and uh, such a, a depth of, of, of results. Um, we're seeing quite a few changes, I would say, including uh, particularly with respect to product needs. Uh, advisors generally appreciate large, diverse product shelves, but increasingly they're looking for shelves that are directly relevant to client needs and easy to navigate and understand in their practices, right? Again, as, as they try to focus on this smaller number of higher asset clients, you know, are, are feeling increased pressure in this external environment to meet their needs very well. And as they're trying to do other things like managing their time and, and dealing with uh, regulatory pressures. So all of this is particularly important to them. And really, again, what it means is that, you know, we're, they're, they're looking for focus over breadth. It, it's really important to have that, that broad product shelf. It's much more important to have the right products at the right time to meet the right client needs. In addition, you know, adoption of technology, this is not surprising, but it has accelerated over the last two years. Um, you know, this has been a fairly slow trend that's been going on for many years, particularly given, you know, the uh, average age of advisors. They tend to be an older demographic, uh, but increasingly, especially over the last two years, advisors are uh, embracing technology in their practices as a way to save time and serve clients better. And following the pandemic, what we're seeing is, is advisors in particular are expecting brands to communicate increasingly online, uh, and that includes in, uh, providing useful digital tools, having strong websites and, and website user experiences, and ideally, you know, provide some really strong resources where advisors can learn about uh, products, PMs, and, and brands very quickly and easily. And when we talk to advisors about their experiences, they, they really acknowledge that some companies are, are much more uh, advanced uh, and doing a better job when it comes to this kind of communication. And of course, all of this is while product performance remains really important to advisors, just as it always has. You know, it, it's a key dimension. But while, while product performance is important, advisors are also looking for manufacturers uh, to tell their story. 
This is becoming particularly relevant, I would say, in the face of a lot of the volatility that we're seeing right now. Advisors are looking for brands that they trust and support to demonstrate how they're going to continue to produce strong performance in the future and in the face of, of you know, the, the, the challenging external market conditions. Essentially, they want the companies that they support to connect them to specific products that will produce superior performance or, or at least marginal gains and to help them understand uh, what the approach is going to be and who the people are that are going to be managing these products in support of the advisor's clients. This is getting to be a long list, but the last thing I would say, you know, and, and I could certainly go on, on on this, but the last thing I would say is, is that pressures are really evident right now when it comes to back office service. So given time constraints, and again, that challenging environment and demanding clients, uh, if you do a poor job of serving advisors, or if you make significant errors that cause them disruption in their practice or to lose credibility among their clients, you lose loyalty really quickly, right? Um, it's a competitive environment. Advisors have many options, and you need to make sure that service levels meet their expectations. But, you know, doing a good job, making it easy for advisors and demonstrating that you have really strong empowered teams is driving loyalty and even sales volumes like never before so where these have tended to be uh table stakes dimensions in the past we're really seeing them uh have a much stronger connection to, to loyalty and and sales moving forward thanks robert now when it comes to advisors relationships with the back office what can you tell us about the roles that human connection response quality and accountability play it's interesting uh that i would say we're seeing this fall in, into basically two categories right now right and it kind of comes to, to what i was just talking about uh in terms of sort of defensive and offensive opportunities right so you know speaking defensively when it comes to back office getting it right and not making problems for advisors is a table stakes Simply put, advisors do have that choice right now, and you've got to get it right. You can't waste their time, cause frustration, disrupt relationships with their clients, and disrupt their ability to form relationships with clients uh, that they're targeting, You know, especially those, those higher asset uh, or higher net worth clients that, that have a lot to offer to advisors' practices. Where you disrupt these relationships, uh, advisors can move on very, very quickly. Uh, particularly if, if you're seeing other challenges uh, in other areas or advisors are losing contact with, you know, sales, losing faith in, in performance prospects or not hearing a strong enough story. So that combination can be very challenging for brands that are trying to uh, retain these advisors and, and keep their attention. So you need to get it right. You need to solve problems efficiently and to the advisor's satisfaction. And they need to have faith that you'll get it right and uh, ideally, they need to experience this on an ongoing basis, right? That you're attentive, you have strong, empowered teams, and you're going to get it right in the future. But the other thing uh, that's also happening here is, is that where advisors are moving more online than they have in the past and are looking for, you know, increasingly digital communications, they're also looking for human connections. And this shows up really strongly in our study, um, particularly on four dimensions uh, that are really standing out as, as not just important, but right up there with many of the performance dimensions that advisors have traditionally looked for as, as key in forming relationships with brands. And these dimensions are, are things like overall quality of people, 
uh, enjoy working with them overall, whether the, the company and particularly sales contacts uh, have a strong understanding of the advisor's practice and whether brands can actually help in, in business or provide business development support. So it's, it's really coming down to these strong dimensions that relate to personal relationships. And getting it right means highlighting the strength of your team overall, underscoring uh, some really important values that advisors care about, and building that that really strong alignment uh, with their practices and 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 essentially relationships. The interesting thing is essentially as advisors are looking for that digital communication, they really want to form relationships as well and understand the the people behind that digital communication. So these communications and experiences really need to highlight what you're doing in terms of having the right people in the right places to directly support advisors and their clients. And when you can do that, uh, you position yourself for, for really strong gains and forward movement. Thank you, Robert. Amanda, I've got two questions for you to start. When it comes to back office quality, how has CIBC Mellon performed based on Enveronics research? And how do we get it right every day for our clients? Our investor services team has consistently scored in the top two ranking for one back office quality and two call center advisor experience for the past five years. Notably, our performance has increased over the course of the pandemic compared to a decline in overall advisor perception uh, of the industry in the same period. So the research results shared by Robert are consistent with our key performance metrics and our audit performance for processing quality for the same five-year period. At CIBC Mellon, we have a very strong risk governance structure, and there's a very keen risk and control awareness across all of our operations teams. When you add to that control environment, a long tenure team, very low turnover, strong employee engagement, and investment in technology to continually automate our manual processes, the result is a high quality experience for the advisor. Thanks, Amanda. Robert talked about how strong, effective call center service experience drives loyal relationships between advisors and the back office. How do you measure quality when it comes to call center service experience? We've invested in call center leaders with extensive career experience leading top mutual fund call centers in Canada and the United States. And they've created a culture of client service excellence, continuous improvement, and high performance. We've also invested in call center agents by providing learning and development opportunities to be a best-in-class call center. And we've incorporated those best-in-class industry benchmarks for call service excellence into our daily call evaluations. Robert talked about emphasizing personal connections with the advisors, and that really resonated with us because making a personal connection with the advisor is a part of our call evaluation scoring methodology. And lastly, we've invested extensively in advisor self-service tools. Thanks, Amanda. As we wrap our conversation, can you talk a bit about what you've taken away from the results Robert has shared? So understanding what advisors are facing and what is important to them helps our teams to reflect and respond. We will continue to emphasize the importance of making connections with the advisors. We will continue to invest in our people and technology and in self-service tools for advisors. We will continue to focus on controls and getting it right every day. And when our teams see themselves reflected in the success and satisfaction of our clients or the advisors 
are recognized within the industry, they're inspired to continue to deliver on high quality service on behalf of our clients. Amanda, in all of this, what's the most important takeaway? The importance of the advisor experience with CIBC Mellon, um, that particularly resonated with me. Yeah, I think I myself personally, I think that the, the relationship between the advisor and the fund manufacturers is changing. Uh, and I think that, you know, based on Robert's uh, research, it's just becoming evident that, that um, you know, the whole industry needs to, needs to take notice of that. Robert, if you had to distill your message into a quick 15-second elevator pitch, what would you say? Uh, a 45-minute advisor interview in 15 seconds, eh? That's a tall <laughs> ask. Um, I, I would say a couple of things. I mean, really, it means that there is more challenge for all of the brands in the industry in terms of getting and keeping advisors' attention. It's, it's harder than it's ever been before. But at the same time, if you get it right, there's more opportunity than ever. And getting it right means uh, really having strong connections, communicating to advisors via more channels than ever before, but really highlighting the quality of, of, of the human beings at your organization and, and, and the quality of people at all levels. Everything from senior executives to fund managers to call center staff uh, that are serving them on a daily basis. And if you get it right, uh, you have a lot more to gain and those uh, relationships, the, the impact on those relationships is more immediate and stronger than it's ever been. Robert and Amanda, thank you so much for joining us in this conversation. To our listeners, thank you for tuning in to CIBC Mellon Industry Perspectives. I hope you enjoyed today's discussion. For more information on CIBC Mellon's latest knowledge leadership on issues relevant to institutional investors active in Canada, or if you have requests for speakers, suggestions for topics, or any feedback, please contact your relationship manager or reach out to cibcmellon.com. Thank you.